tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You're listening to SOJC Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday night FOJC Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the February 9th, 2024 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carey Cohen. For the next hour, we're going to be studying the Word of God. So thankful for all of you that are joining us for our broadcast this evening, which is entitled, Don't Dump in the Camp. Yes, that's right. Uh, I want to acknowledge uh, a lot of letters that came in. I'm going to read some from a couple of them. And I want to give our address again for those of you that would like to write to me. Uh, and Donna, you can write to us at uh, Followers of Jesus Christ, Post Office Box 671, Tell City, Indiana, 47586. And uh, I want to acknowledge uh, some letters. I'm going to read from a couple of them. We heard from uh, Brock in Dallas, uh, Kathleen in Ohio, uh, Simi and Terry in Pittsburgh, and Stacy in Texas, Bill in Arkansas, uh, William in New Jersey. And I want to read just a little bit. Uh, from William's letter, and he wrote a poem which was very, very touching. I really appreciated that, William. And he says, I thank you, Donna, for the information you sent me that got me moving in the right direction. I wish I could let all those trapped in this narcissistic hell know that they can be free. Jesus can set you free. Whatever your problem is, the power of Jesus is present. To deliver you. Um, Sandra and Gary in Missouri, James in Ohio, uh, Larry and Cynthia in Texas, they wanted prayer for their family. And Father in Jesus' name, we just want to lift up now uh, Larry and Cynthia and the whole family there in Texas. Father, we just pray that you meet the needs and that you just draw them close to you and father just let the conviction of the holy spirit be on anyone that is not saved to deal with them in jesus name carla in washington state she wants prayer that the lord would save her children and let's lift up that to the lord now father in jesus name we want to lift up carla's children to you father we just pray and the name of Jesus, that you let the Holy Spirit conviction be upon them. Father, we know that when we pray that you will deal with them 
And Father, we agree together now that you speak to their heart in Jesus' name. We want to pray for Michelle in Missouri. Good to hear from her. Uh, Jean in Ohio also wants prayer. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just lift those sisters up to you now. We just pray, Father, that you mightily bless them in Jesus' name. We also heard from Tennessee and Texas, Mark in Tennessee, and uh, Tom and Chris in Indiana. And uh, just thankful for all of those letters you sent to Don and I. I want to read a little bit from Greg and Sandy's letter. Uh, they said, I have a couple of questions. First one is, I have heard if you don't talk in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It has been very hard for us to find a church. Most are a 501c3 and they sh or they shut down in 2020. And uh, I just want to say that you do not have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. And what you might be involved in there, uh, there's the UPC Pentecostals and the spinoffs that tell you that you have to, if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus and don't speak in tongues that you're not saved. But uh, no, you do not have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within every born-again child of God. So uh, thank you for writing, and we hope that that's a help with you. Now, I'm going to have Sister Donna here come on, and Sister Donna is going to do some prayer requests. Well, first, I'm going to apologize up front because, yes, I'm running late. The older I get, the slower I get. So, please excuse me if I didn't don't mention your prayer request. I will read them, and I will send them on to the prayer team. But for right now, the ones that I do know about is uh, Carol. She wants healing uh, for her daughter, Crystal, so that the MRI reveals exactly what needs surgery uh, so there won't be anything done unnecessarily. And uh, Linda, uh, Sam, ask your prayer for Linda. Uh, he wants her to come out of Mormonism. And, of course, with that, we ask that people get woke up and they learn the truth. And Mike needs a prayer for more deliverance and wisdom. Uh, Crystal, I don't know if this is the same Crystal Carol's praying for. I don't think so. Different Crystal. Anyway, she wants uh, wisdom and healing. And April wants to get off meth, and Daryl would like to find at least one man that he could fellowship with. So, Daryl, I will finish reading your prayer request and uh, do what I can to find out uh, on that vein. If people would uh, check our website, they could go to the new Remnant location page, and they might find somebody in their area. So, right now, I'm going to lift these people up in prayer and all the ones that I didn't get written down. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that you just bless these people. And, Lord, whether they need healing or deliverance or wisdom or to get off drugs, whatever they need, Lord, I'm asking that you deal with it, Lord, and that you give them answer to their prayer as you see fit, Lord. Yes, Lord, we can ask that only you know their heart and you know what they need. So, Lord, I do lift all these up. And the ones that David already lifted up. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Sister Donna. And let's worship the Lord for a few moments, and then we're going to be back with our lesson for this evening, Don't Dump in the Camp. We're sorry, but because of copyright rules, you cannot hear my music. However, if you want to hear the message in its entirety with my music, you can join us on the radio page on Friday night for the live audio broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen on our podcast page at fojcradio.com. Here's Brother David. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and we're going to begin in verse 9, and about a dozen scriptures in, you're going to understand why I entitled the message tonight, that which I did. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation must be right. We cannot overemphasize the importance of this. If the foundation is wrong, it's all wrong. You have to get square one right. And if you don't get square number one right, square two, three, four, and five, they're obviously going to be wrong. I want to read Joseph Benson's comment. Joseph Benson was a a co-worker of Mr. John Wesley. And he said this. He said that all doctrines which he teaches may be consistent with that foundation. Every child of God and every minister of the gospel should be aware that everything they say and believe should be consistent specifically with that which Jesus said. He goes on to say, Christ in his prophetic office as a teacher come from God, is the foundation of all the doctrines of Christianity. Amen. And as made of God unto us wisdom, the source of our knowledge and of faith in those doctrines. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the doctrine of Christ. I can't say it enough that the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. And the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in whatever assembly anyone goes to. If it isn't there, it's wrong. If it isn't there, it's wrong. If the foundation is not there, it is illegitimate. How we need to understand the importance of this. This is not of some minimal importance, it's of absolute supreme importance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, 
But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus is our message. He's our message. It's the cross, the doctrine, the example of Christ. Jesus is the one that we lift up, that all men might be drawn unto him. And in Second Corinthians 4 and 5, Paul said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Jesus is our message. He is our foundation. He is our all in all, the Alpha and the Omega. It's all about Jesus. We can't say it enough. We want to make it so clear that no one could ever have a shadow of a doubt about it. And that's not just for our little assembly. That's not just for our little uh radio channel and YouTube channels, but this is the way it is in the house of God. In the house of God, we are God's building, and you cannot build something for God according to your own imagination. You cannot throw out, thus saith the Lord, and Christ the true foundation, and build something that God's going to recognize as being of Him. In First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, he said, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church of the living God, that means the ecclesia, those that are the called out ones, we are the ones that hold the truth. We are the ones that have the oracles of God, that Tell people it's all about Jesus. We are the custodians of the mysteries that cling to the words of Jesus and will not budge. We are the ones that build that true foundation because no other foundation is allowable. Everything else is absolutely illegitimate. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13, and I fear so many people when they seek out truth and they seek out wisdom, there they look about this or they look for that but you have to look for this foundational thing is the foundation there is jesus christ and his doctrine the foundation of all things in matthew chapter 21 and verse 13 and said unto them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves. These are the words that Jesus spoke when he cleansed the temple. We ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God and the people of God. We are the temple of God. We are the Israel of God. We are the house of God. And we ought to know how to behave ourselves, you know? And we need to know how to behave ourselves when we are together, it is of utmost importance. In Hebrews, the third chapter, Hebrews chapter 3, and I want to look at chapter 5 and verse 6. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast 
the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. We are Christ's house if we hold fast to that confidence and that rejoicing. And so many people, so many people, they start out for Jesus but it doesn't take them long to lose their first love. And Andrew Murray had some great comments on this text in Hebrews. He says, There is no question that exercises the earnest minister of the gospel in our days as in early times more deeply than what may be the reason that so many converts grow cold and fall away, and what can be done that we may have Christians who stand and conquer. That's why we warn. That's why we exhort. That's why over and over we give warning. We give reproof. We warn of the dangers that are out there. People are falling to the left and to the right. This is war, and there's casualties. There's people being taken out, and people don't need to be taken out. We need to stand strong and hold fast that confidence and that rejoicing. We have to stand firm in that relationship with God that makes our heart bubble up with joy, that gives us that boldness to speak and to tell other people about Jesus. Brother Murray goes on to say, Nothing can help but a clear, definite, habitual faith in God's power and working as the only possibility of growth and progress. We have to believe in the power of God. We have to know that it's not of ourselves, but it's in the finished work of the cross where the Holy Spirit is imparted unto us. We need to hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm until the end. They, Brother Murray goes on to say, they sought to hold fast the light and blessing and joy they had found. They knew not that it was their boldness of faith, the glorying of their hope, the beginning of their confidence, that this is what they needed to hold fast firm to the end. I bet that you're a lot like I was, that when you got born again, they couldn't shut you up. You know, if anybody got in your way, they was going to hear about Jesus. We have to come to that place where we come back to our first love, like the book of Revelation says, where we let the Spirit of God thrill our heart and thrill our soul, holding fast to that confidence. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 3 and 4, it says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some men, but he that built all things is God. We are God's house. We are God's temple. And we're going to see that we are God's camp. In Isaiah chapter 28, it is often said there's a thousand ways to go wrong. And there's only one way to go right. There's that straight and narrow way. That's why it has to be made clear over and over and over again. It's Jesus Christ, Him crucified, what He said, what He did. Isaiah chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, prophesies of a time when people are going to make a covenant with death and hell. In, in Isaiah 28 and 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, 
Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the plumb line. You see, that Jesus Christ was going to be the foundation and chief cornerstone. This was decided in the eternity, in the very eternity of time when the plan of salvation was first formated and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and anyone that will try to lay another cornerstone or try to lay another foundation beware because judgment will be laid to the line and righteousness to the plummet and hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the water shall overflow the hiding place Anything that is not built on the foundation of Christ, when those hailstones start falling and the floods start coming, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it will be washed away. It's just like in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talked about the ones that built their house upon the sand. In verse 18, And your covenant with death shall be annulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. Death and hell here are metaphors for the beast and the false prophet that we see in the book of Revelation. It prophesies of that time when Israel will enter into formal covenant with them. And now, right now, there are people that are rejecting the true foundation of Christ, and they're entering into covenant with that beast system. Let me tell you, the refuge of lies will be overflown. Only that which is built upon the foundation of Christ, that is the only thing that is going to stand. In the 11th Psalm, in the 11th Psalm and in the third verse, so many people think, and I have thought this in the past, that I could go into some church that's obviously filled with false doctrine. It's filled with Freemasons, filled with all kinds of paganism and pagan practices. But I can go in there and I can do some good. I can go in there and I can change it. Well, let me tell you what, that doesn't work. Abraham did much more for Sodom outside of it than Lot did inside of it. In Psalm 11 and 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the answer to that is nothing. The proper foundation must be laid, and if it has to be laid by individuals in their own homes where two or three are gathered, Tertullian said that we should be content with our church of twos and threes rather than apostatize and compromise with that beast system. And I agree with the man. We have to understand that we are the house of God and that we have to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God and that in the house of God nothing should be spoken or lifted up as truth except that which agrees with everything that our Lord and Savior said. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us a little bit more about this foundation. In Ephesians 2, beginning in the 18th verse, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. It's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles both have access to the Father 
by one spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The household of God is made up of all believers. From the first covenant, from the second covenant, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the assembly, the the assembly that is taking place in heaven. In verse 20, it says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You see, it is the apostles of Jesus Christ, and it's also the prophets of the Old Testament that are the foundation. You see, we're whole Bible believers here. It's the apostles and everything that was taught in the New Testament that is looked at in the light of Christ, and also the prophets. And the message of every true prophet is that you have broken God's law, you need to repent, and you need to come back into obedience to the law of God. The foundation of the apostles and prophets, this is going to be the foundation of that new Jerusalem. In the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, in verses 12 through 14, speaking of the new Jerusalem, And this gives us the true understanding of the 144,000. It says, And had a great wall, and high, and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Twelve times twelve, a hundred and forty-four, the foundation of the prophets of God and the apostles of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ himself being the one cornerstone. This is the house of God. This is the temple of God. And there's only one foundation. Anything that is a legitimate work of God is built on that foundation. If it is not, it is illegitimate. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation, and there's only one end-time remnant. There's not some remnant out there that believes in Jesus and rejects God's law. There's not some remnant out there that believes in God's law and rejects the doctrine of Christ. Both must be there. The doctrine of Christ and the commandments of God, this is the end-time remnant, and there is no other. Now let's get to the title of the message. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy the 23rd chapter, this is spiritual warfare. I have felt the intensity of spiritual warfare just absolutely intensifying. 
absolutely intensifying. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 9, When the host goeth forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. When we go to battle, you have to make sure that there's no sin in the camp. You've, I tell you what, people that think they can do spiritual warfare at this level and this intensity, I tell you what, it'll flip you on your head and it'll take you down. It's a serious thing and it's a real thing. And when the host goes forth, you have to keep yourself from the wicked thing or Satan will find a door and he will destroy you. I guarantee you that he will. Now let's look in verse 12. In verse 12, and a lot of people think this is a light and a flippiate thing, but it absolutely is not. In verse 12 it says, Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad, and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon, and it shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of the camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy. See that no unclean thing in thee. See, see that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. Don't dump in the camp. This scripture unto Israel presented them with the picture of the absolute sanctity and holiness of the camp of God that God himself was in this, in their very midst because he was. And nobody, and even taking care of their personal business, they could not dump in the camp, if you will. Now, how many people, if, and you see, God wanted them to realize that it was so important that all uncleanness and all sin be put away. We're going to war, friends. We're going to war. And the problem is, there's people that are dumping in the camp. There's people that are dumping in the house of God. They're making messes. You see, and when you got a little baby, you know the little baby's going to mess himself. And it's nobody minds changing and caring for a little child. But after a while, when that child grows up and gets older and older, the older they get, the less cute it gets, doesn't it? And there's a time when little Johnny and little Susie needs to wake up and stop dumping. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of spiritual infants that need to realize that when the camp of God comes together, we need to realize that we're the house of God. We're the temple of God, and we don't need to leave a mess for somebody else to clean up. We need to be so aware. We need to be so thankful that our brothers and sisters in Christ are the most precious gifts that we have the most precious gifts that we have. And when we come together, and I am so thankful, I these last prayer meetings are, are prayer-thons. I have been so blessed with the spirit that has, and the unity that has come together from those that have gathered here. It blesses my heart. 
And we'll be announcing probably next Friday night our next prayerathon. But I tell you what, we're going to war, friends. We're going to war. And each and every one of us, when we come together one with another, we need to realize that God is in the camp. He's in our very midst. And we need to be very, very careful lest we leave a mess. There are so many people that do things flippantly without thinking, and they do not realize that the things that they do have unintended consequences. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them, just like in the camp of Israel. God was walking in the midst. And they needed to go outside to do their business. Well, let me tell you what. When we come together as the children of God, Jesus is in our midst, just like God walked in the camp of Israel of old. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't make a mess. It is very specific. The very same language is used. Because Deuteronomy 14 is talking about the Israel of God. Matthew 18 and Revelation chapter 2, it's talking about the Israel of God also. In Revelation 2 and 1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We need to understand that Jesus wants to walk in our midst, and he is walking in our midst. We're going to war, my friends, and we have to make sure that every unclean thing is put away. And by the way, maybe what's clean and unclean might matter, you think? I think it does, absolutely, because the Word of God, it absolutely does. In the book of Philippians, Dung is a very blunt term. It's not a very pretty word, is it? Not a very pretty word for a very pretty thing. I guess there's worse words than dung. But in Philippians chapter 3, I'll give you an example of spiritual dung. Some people are not uh, witnesses for Christ. They're spiritual manure spreaders. Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, Jesus Christ and the true foundation, this is what we go after with all of our heart to let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts, coming together in the absolute unity to lift up that foundation and all all of the things. You see, Paul learned many things from rabbis that rejected Jesus Christ. And Paul said, it's all done. 
It's all done. Paul didn't say, well, I'm going to take what these rabbis taught, and I'm going to mix it in with Jesus. No, he said, Jesus good, everything else is done. We have to focus with the purity to put all things unclean out of the way. And to let that foundation of Christ be strong and firm, because that's the only way that anything real and genuine can be built for God. For no other foundation can any man lay. And the word of God gives the warning, you better be careful how you build on it. Because there's going to be a judgment and there's going to be a reckoning. In First John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But we have an unction from the Holy One. In verse 22, Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. These people that went out, they were denying the deity of Christ. And as we have emphasized repeatedly, and always will, we have to warn about this, because there are so many people that are teaching to the contrary, that the deity of Christ is not a doctrine that is up for negotiation. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? And I have to remind people that Judaism officially rejects Jesus as the Christ. So what can come from rabbis that reject Jesus Christ but the spirit of that Christ? It's absolutely illogical to think that anything else could come from it. Now, here's where we're at. It's time for the camp of God to prepare for war. We've got to grow up. We've got to, each and every one of us, grow up and understand the foundation, understand the importance of coming together and going to war. And people have got to be able to discern the Spirit of God from the spirit of Antichrist. Now that sounds like a very fundamental statement, but I guarantee you there are gobs and gobs and oodles and gobs of people that are professing faith in Christ that have no discernment whatsoever between the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist. We have to be discerning. We have to make sure that the foundation is right. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the scripture tells us this. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. You know? And there's so many people should have grown up a long time ago and be teaching, but they're still... Uh, they're still on the bottle. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles, the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of 
use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Listen to the word of God this morning. People that are mature exercise their senses to discern good from evil. We have to be able to discern the Spirit of God from the Spirit of Antichrist. We have to understand the foundation of Jesus Christ and anybody that tries to build on the foundation anything that contradicts our Lord, that is dung. That is dung. We should be so in love with Jesus that Everything he said should fill our heart with joy that we can hold forth the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end. I'm going to read two more scriptures and then we're going to take our break. I want to read, uh, first of all, there's a text. I want to read 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. And it's very true that the Word of God says that our individual bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Did you know you're not your own? You're bought with the price? Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's a little bit different here. Let's read it very carefully. Know ye not that ye... Now, thank God for our King James Bible. Everywhere we see that little Y-E-Y-E, you know it's plural. Know ye not that ye, plural, are the temple of God? You see, here it's not talking about the individual and each and every one of our bodies being the temple, which it is, but here it's talking about us being the temple when we come together. Amen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And if I would read this scripture, even in most churches, and say, don't you know we're the temple of God? They'd say amen, but do we really know it? Do we really know and understand that Jesus walks in our midst just like the Father walked within the camp of Israel? And in verse 17, there's the warning. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which him ye are. Just like in the camp of Israel, if they would have defecated in the camp, it would have been defilement. When we come together, there should be no sin, no uncleanness, nothing whatsoever that comes contrary to the doctrine, the foundation of Christ. It should be absolute unity in going forth against, in war with the evil one. And when we fight like that, it'll be winner, winner, chicken dinner. You can't lose with the stuff we use when we fight on the foundation of Christ and hold firm our confidence we had at the beginning unto the end. Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to be back in just a moment with a lot more on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. F 
WOJC Radio, David and Donna Carrico, the dynamic duo of followers of Jesus Christ. Nah, we're just regular people. We're just loving and serving the Lord, and we challenge you to love and serve the Lord and learn all that you can about Him. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. And thanks again for listening to our programs and blessings to all of you. We want to welcome a new member of our team, Jillian Stone. She recently did a program with Brian Reese as the host on the FOJC Rumble channel, the number 51 in the Sunday Night Live series. And it was called The Origins of the Hail Mary. Jillian has a lot of experience for her young 22-year-old age. She has um, a channel on Instagram, it's Instagram slash Jillian Stone, that's G-I-L-L-Y-A-N-S-T-O-N-E, and she also has a podcast, um, and it's, well, it's called the alabasterpodcast.com. She also has a Facebook page, and she also has some videos on TikTok, Jillian calls herself a wife, Jesus follower, a mama, and a symbolism exposer in America, a land of the plumed serpent. If you want to hear Jane's testimony, or at least part of it, you can tune in to that number 51 on SOJC Radio, Sunday Night Live, on Rumble, Origins of the Hail Mary. And we're just so excited to welcome her. We should be doing some future programs here on Church YouTube and sometimes on the Rumble. So check both places. You can find the link to all of our channels on our homepage at www.fojcradio.com. If you'd like to be added to our notification list, please send an email with sign up in the subject line to lastdayschurch.cs.com. Thank you for listening to all of our programs. Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. Welcome back to the FOJC Room at Gathering and as I always do the break. I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you that prays with us and that studies with us and that supports us with your gifts and with your kindness. We do appreciate it so much from the very bottom of our heart. This Sunday night will be our newest edition of the Cities Lost in Time. We're going to be looking at a city in Egypt that was buried under the sands many centuries ago, Hawara, the labyrinth of the fallen ones, and we welcome you to join us for that. want to apologize. We put the trailer up this week for the next Psalm 119. It was loaded in the chute, but it didn't deploy. I tell you what, uh, sometimes here in the world of technology, things just don't always work but lord willing we will get that out next week and also uh 
we'll have another boot camp episode and perhaps even another surprise coming up next week. We're so thankful. We're glad that uh, uh, if you haven't watched the testimony of Sam Garcia, that's up on our YouTube and our Rumble channel. Really a blessing. And Sam has been hosting our prayer thons, and he'll be a blessing to hear the testimony of that young man. All right, then. We're going to get back into the Word of God, and we're going to go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 and verse 1. And the Scripture says here, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's a waste of time. Isn't that the truth? And not only does the foundation have to be right, but then... It has to be God that builds it. This is, and how do we do that? Well, we cooperate. Yes, we do. But it is God that builds the house. And he does so in, in the, in the epistle of Peter. He talks about us being lively stones in a spiritual temple. And in Matthew chapter 16 and 18, listen to what Jesus said. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the rock wasn't Peter. Let's look at verse uh, 17, and we'll see what the rock is. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. It is that which is revealed by the Father. The Father sent his Son Jesus to speak the words that he gave him to speak, the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, of the prophet that would come like unto Moses, that all people would be held accountable unto. That prophet is Jesus Christ, and Jesus will build his church by putting his Spirit within those that repent and believe the gospel. People that are truly born again are the lively stones of that spiritual temple. That's the only way to really be in the house of God is to be born again, and the Lord is the one that is building the house. In Jeremiah chapter 23, there's a prophecy of one that we see a name that was given in the Old Testament prophecies unto Christ. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, that's capital B-R-A-N-C-H, and a king shall reign and prosper, and he shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. And that one called the branch is come, and he is truly our righteousness, and the only righteousness that we have. Now, I want to show you how 
The Lord is building the temple. He builds it by putting his spirit. Like I say, obviously, when people are born again, they're a lively stone, and you're a part of that spiritual temple, the house of God. And in Revelation chapter 5 and 6, chapter 5 and verse 6, there's something here that I want you to take notice of. And we're going to go back into the Old Testament, and we're going to see the importance of this in building the temple of God. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Seven eyes, that are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all of the earth. Now these are angelic entities. These seven eyes that are the seven spirits of God. Now let's look at them in the Old Testament. Let's go to the book of Zechariah. And we're going to see that these eyes have been going forth into the earth, building the temple for a long time. And when we get the foundation right, and when we get the message right, and when we get uncleanness out of the camp, let me tell you what, we can expect the Lord of hosts to move mightily on our behalf. In Zechariah chapter 3, let's look at verse 8. Hear now, Joshua, the high priest, Thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Zechariah prophesied in the days of the regathering under Nehemiah and Ezra to rebuild the temple. And in the fourth chapter, in the tenth verse of Zechariah, look at this. For who hath despised the day of small things? You know, and I love that. You know, and here at uh, FOJC and even now you see TV, it's like the day of small things. What do we matter in the big realm of things? Well, we're starting to matter more and more as time goes on. The Lord blesses us and enlarges our footprint and our influence upon individuals and souls. But still, it's like, don't despise the day of small things. We're not done yet. Okay, verse 10, Zechariah 4 and 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. You see, Zerubbabel was rebuilding the temple with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. The eyes, the seven that were with Zerubbabel, building the temple. They are the seven that are before the throne of God. They are the ones that will come to our aid and our empowerment. When we lay the foundation correctly, when we will insist on the foundation of Jesus Christ, when we will insist 
that sin and uncleanness be put out of the camp. When the war cry and the troops move out, we can expect nothing but victory. In Zechariah chapter 6, there's another prophecy concerning the branch. Zechariah chapter 6 and verse 12, And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. It is the branch, Jesus Christ, that is going to build the temple of the Lord. And there's only one temple that Jesus says anything about building. Let's look at it. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, you know, uh, Thursday night, John and I did a little show on the Midnight Ride channel, and someone was asking about Christians, whether whether they should give their money to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And, oh, my, I about lost it. I about lost it. My goodness. Uh, that we would give money to build a temple for animal sacrifice? My goodness. But there's actually people that confess Christ that are giving their money to build a temple where animals can be slain for sin offerings. Shame on you. Shame on you. In John chapter 2, let's read about the only temple the branch is going to build. All other temples are illegitimate. All other remnants. There's only one remnant that believes in the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. There's only one legitimate foundation and house, and that's the one that's built upon the doctrine of Christ. In John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, Then answers the Jews and said unto him, what sign shewest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. We're the house of God. We're the temple of God. We are the body of Christ and the house of God. We are the remnant. There is no other. There's only one real temple. There's only one real priesthood. Everything else is illegitimate. In Acts chapter 2, And that's our prayer, that the Lord build the house, that the Lord send us lively stones that love Jesus with all of their heart, that are holding firm the beginning of their confidence and their joy and their boldness firm unto the end. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, praising God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord added to the ecclesia the called out body. The Lord built the house, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain 
that building. There absolutely is structure and order in the house of God as we have already seen not everything's allow- allowable in the house of God, is it? We have to know how to behave ourselves, as the scripture says. We got to know how to behave ourselves in the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. In First Peter chapter 5, this is how leadership should work. And I'll just begin in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. You have to love to do it. Not for filthy lucre, which is money, but of a ready mind, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Real spiritual leadership leads by example. It doesn't lead by coercion. In Hebrews chapter 13, and make no mistake that there is spiritual authority in the house of God. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. But spiritual authority in the kingdom of God is not like the authority that works in the world. It's an authority that leads by example. It's an authority that leads by the witness of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 22, in verses 25 and verse 26, And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that does serve. We read the text earlier, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and the 5th verse. In First Corinthians 4 and 21, we have to say this also. You know... um, Moses was the meekest man on earth, the scripture says. But yet, when his brother Aaron made the golden calf, the meekest man on the earth, he ground that golden calf into powder, and then he took him down to the river and he made him drink it. That's right. He ground that golden calf to powder, mixed it with a little water, and he made him drink it. Don't confuse meekness with weakness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 21, when need be, Paul could deal with the problem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 21, what will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love? 
and in the spirit of meekness. And Paul was doing dealing with the situation there that was involving fornication and incense. There are things that you cannot turn your head to and things that must be dealt with. And godly leadership, when need be, will step up and deal with those situations and deal with them we must. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, this is one of the most important things and something that I'm praying about all the time. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our unity is in the fullness of Christ. Now, I want to focus for just a moment on that word in the 12th verse called perfecting. And I want to take a look at that in the lexicon. I want to look at that in Danker's lexicon. And this is what it says, for the perfecting of the saints. And this, it says, is a medical term for the setting of a bone. A medical term for the setting of a bone. Paul described the body of Christ as the feet, the ears, the eyes, the hands. And literally, that metaphor uh, holds so true. And what leadership will do, and what the apostolic gifts and offices are for, is to put people in the proper place where their gifts and their callings can be best utilized and brought out to be a blessing for others. You see, the body of Christ isn't a competition with big eyes and little U's, but the body of Christ is a place where all the body comes together to bring forth that which is edifying in the kingdom of God to bring souls unto Jesus. And that's what godly leadership will do. It will snap people in place in their body to where they can bloom and grow and their gifts can come forth like a sweet-smelling savor to be a blessing unto the people. Now, in Matthew 24... I want to read the first two verses. Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew 24, there's things there that had a partial fulfillment in AD 70. But don't let the preterists fool you. There's a lot of things there that pertain to the last days and the second coming of Christ. In Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to shew him the buildings of the temple. And it was something. Herod's temple was one magnificent building. 
And Jesus said unto them, See ye all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And less than 40 years later, that was fulfilled when the temple was destroyed, just like our great prophet Jesus Christ spoke. Now, here's the great danger. The great danger is always, you know, if I would go into almost any church and say that, uh, you know, the people were the real temple, they'd say amen, but do they really get it? Do they really get it that the building is really not that important? And yeah, we gotta, it's not, you don't have any glory. Old John Bunyan. <laughs> He preached under a tree in the field. You know, that's because everyone was chasing him to put him in jail. But bless our hearts, there's nothing wrong with being inside, you know, and having a building to gather in. But the great danger always is the bigger you build it, and the fancier it is, the more the concept in your mind is that, boy, that temple, oh, that temple, that building, oh, boy, so easy it is for our understanding and our emphasis to shift. Now, we'll, we'll close with a little bit of Jeremiah the prophet and his great temple discourse that he preached in Jeremiah chapter 7. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. He sent him right into the gate in the temple to preach this. Oh, boy. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O ye Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. It's a lie that everything that can build a building and call itself a church is a true ecclesia and temple of God. The foundation must be correct. Or it is illegitimate. Matthew Henry said this. They must keep closely to the worship of the true God only. Neither walk ye after other gods. Do not hanker after them, nor hearken to those that would draw you into communion with idolaters. Will you burn incense to Baal, a dunghill deity? You know, and you talk about dumping in the camp. You know, Freemasons actually, in the York Rite, Freemasons actually take the name of Baal on their lips to worship, and Baal was a dunghill deity, and yet Masons run through this apostate church getting the right hand of fellowship all over it. Will you burn incense to Baal, a dunghill deity that sets up as a rival with the great Jehovah, and not content with that, will you walk after gods too, to whom ye know not, and by all these crimes put a daring affront upon God, both as Lord of hosts and the God of Israel? Do not be deceived by lying words. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, 
the temple of the Lord are these. There's one foundation. There's one temple, one house, one body, and one remnant, and no other foundation can anyone lay than that one that was laid long ago in eternity past by that cornerstone that was laid in Zion. Well, with that, we're going to conclude our message for this evening, as always, with great thankfulness to each and every one of you that's joined us. Thank you. Uh, uh, welcome new listeners. We thank you so much for tuning in to FOJC to see what we're all about. And right there's what we're all about. We're about Jesus. That's right. That's what we're all about. Preaching the gospel and, uh, teaching people to follow Jesus. That's it. All right. Well, tomorrow night, I will be with John doing the midnight ride. What would a Saturday night be without that? And uh Sunday night, it will be another episode of Cities Lost in Time with Brian Reese and myself, Hawara, Labyrinth of the Fallen Ones. It will bless your heart, I guarantee you. So, until next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central. Even though you can't see it, I'm going to have to do it. High five and good night, everybody, from the FOJC Remnant Gathering. God bless you all. Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC Post Office Box 671, Tell City, Indiana, 47586. Or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com. Or you may call us at 812-836-2288. You can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com. Thanks and God bless.